Welcome to the Positive Productivity Podcast, Episode 492. The Positive Productivity Podcast was created to empower entrepreneurs to achieve and appreciate personal and professional success. I'm your host, Kim Sutton, and if you're ready, let's jump into today's episode. Welcome back to another episode of Positive Productivity. This is your host, Kim Sutton, and I'm so happy to have you here. And I'm thrilled to introduce today's guest, James Sudikow. James is the principal of CH Consulting. And I have to tell you, we've just wrapped up an awesome pre-recording chat. So I know that we're going to have a lot of fun during this conversation. But James, welcome. Thanks. Yeah, thanks for having me. You are so welcome. I would love if you would share a bit of your backstory with the listeners and tell them how you got to where you are today. Yeah, so um, so I run my own business consulting practice. I've been doing it for God almost nine years, which to me is kind of funny because I told my wife I literally had this conversation with her where I said uh, this is going to be a one year experiment, uh, and then I'll end up going back into the corporate world, which is where I spent most of my time up until then. And so fortunately, I've been able to work make it work for almost a decade. So I feel great about that. And prior to that, I actually kind of had a traditional kind of ascension in the business world. I started off as a beta analyst coming out of college and I worked my way up through VP across a lot of different companies and I worked in some consulting businesses and I worked in in, in in-house jobs in a lot of tech companies and then I kind of decided to run and launch my own business and that's where we're at today. So what prompted you to even get the idea of running and launching your own business? Well I've always been kind of an entrepreneurial guy by nature so and I kind of knew even years ago that I wanted to do this. So I kind of structured my career in a way that would help me. So I had some big company consulting. I spent the early part of my career at Deloitte Consulting, so a massive consulting organization. And then I went in-house. And that was all kind of by design because I wanted to see if I could run my own thing one day. And so the interesting thing was at some point I would have pulled the trigger on and done it. My wife actually talked me into doing it. And, you know, we have kind of a unique family situation. We're legal guardians for my wife's younger brother and sister. They're not so young anymore. When we got them, they were seven and 11. But that was right about the time that I launched the consulting practice. They're 17 and 21 now. And then we have our own kids. So we have a three and a half year old and a one and a half year old. So I looked at my wife and I said, this is an optimal timing. We have two kids we're responsible for. We're about to try to start our own family. And she just said, just go do it. And I did. So yeah, so that's what got me in there. So you have a 17-year-old and a 21-year-old now, and then a one-and-a-half and a three-and-a-half-year-old? Yeah. <laughs> pretty interesting, huh? <laughs> yeah, pretty interesting, and I, and I can feel it. Be- yeah. Yeah. I mean, we we had 16-month-old when our twins were born, and oh, it, that's that's yeah. quite a bit of fun, especially yeah. when you're building a business and, and all of that. I mean, I know your business had already been around for six years, but still... I mean, oh, yeah. my business was just taking off when I found out that the now five-year-old was coming around because my business is six years old now. Yeah. So like, similar holy stuff. smokes. Yeah. 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 What were some of the early challenges that you faced and how did you overcome them? Well, I mean, for me, and this all got me into where I eventually wrote this book on work-life balance, which you can talk about later, but part of what I struggled with was you know, how do I make and grow my business to make it sustainable while at the same time not being an absentee husband and an absentee parent at the time, even though they weren't my kids, I was the parental role model on the male side. How do I like do that? How do I do both those things? Uh Um, And that was, you know, my solution for years was, well, here's how I'm going to do that. I'm going to basically do everything, right? So I'm going to do all the stuff that needs to be done for work. And then I'm going to do all the stuff that needs to be home. 
And probably the one thing I'll miss out on is a little bit of sleep or a lot of sleep. And that's generally how I operated for a long (laughs) time. (laughs) So. Oh my gosh. What was the first thing that you gave up when you decided that you weren't doing everything? Well, I mean, what I learned to do was actually prioritize better. And that's one of the things I found out that I just wasn't doing. And interestingly enough, and this was a hard decision to make, but, you know, I've been running my business for like going on a decade. And over the last year, year and a half, when I started really thinking about what do I need to prioritize? And now we've got two little ones and two older ones. And, and you know, this just because they're not toddlers and diapers anymore doesn't mean they don't need a ton of your time. And mm. teenagers need a ton of your time in a very different way. Yes. Um, so, I mean, I didn't want to give up on any of that stuff. So what I actually had to give up, and this was super hard, was growing the business, right? So for the first six, seven years, I was all about, hey, year over year, I'm going to grow it more than I did last year. And I, I felt a need to do that because when you start off in this like neophyte state, you don't want to rely on one client or even two clients. So you're kind of forced to kind of push the envelope to grow so you can feel like you have some sustainability. But once I got through that, I kept doing it just out of habit. And I kind of said, you know what, I can't be in growth mode anymore if I actually want to have the time that I need to be there for our teenager, to be there for our two kids, and quite honestly, to be there for my wife, because, you know, it's hard. She stays at home, but that's a lot to, to manage. So I stopped growing the business. I, I went into like sustainability mode, and that was like a super difficult decision for my ego, <laughs> but that's what I did. I hear that completely. Before the twins were born, I was at home, or yeah, I was obviously at home. I had a client and I was also just getting Infusionsoft certified, but the client that I had wasn't in that space and actually wasn't doing what I wanted to do anymore. So I let that one client that I had before I had my twins go. That's hard. (laughs) Listeners, I was the primary breadwinner. Actually, now that I think about it, my husband didn't even have a job at that point because he was working on his own business, which James, my husband is an independent video game developer. Oh, no way. Yeah. So basically there's no money until the game goes out. Right. That's right. Yeah. So I give up my one client, have babies and come back and I'm like, oh my gosh, <laughs> what did I do? And then I grew it all the wrong way. Like I, I put out way too many proposals. Oh yeah. I've been there. I, I have this period of like three years, not two years where like the business, if you look back on it and just look at the numbers on paper, like it was like the best years you could have ever possibly wanted to have. And I tell my wife all the time, right? financially, and I tell my um, wife, I'm never doing that again yeah. because I was literally overcommitted left, right, and center. Like nobody knew that the rails were, that the train was this close to coming off the rails, like for like 24 straight months. I managed to keep it together, but my stress level wasn't what it needed to be and all sorts of things. But on paper, it looks great, <laughs> but I had to like realize I can't really do that anymore. Right. Like I, I took on team members to help me who charged yeah. me almost what I charged the clients, but I was doing all the marketing yep. and everything yep. else and all the sales calls, all the proposal work, all the admin work, because I, I was the technician, right? Like yeah. I was in the business doing everything yeah. and I didn't realize that there could be another way. And, yeah. but I, I sacrificed sleep for That's those, too. Yeah, for about a year and a half. I slept two to three hours a night and then it all crashed down or my personal health came crashing down. Looking back, I'm surprised that my business is still around now. I said the same thing. I said the same thing. Like someone's going to catch on that this is not sustainable. (laughs) And I sacrificed sleep too because I wasn't willing to give up, you know, driving Gabe at the time to club soccer tournaments and helping Danny, his sister, who was still in high school. I mean, I wasn't willing to give up any of that stuff. And so the only thing that came off was my ability to get some rest and eat properly, probably. Yep. Oh, did you do a soccer tournament? Yeah, he was a cl- he's been a club soccer player since he was seven. So oh, my son too. So oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. So he was just out of town all weekend. 
oh, for yeah. a soccer tournament. Thankfully, my my ex husband, also called my husband, took care of that because we have, are having some car issues, but which will be hopefully fixed today. But in two weeks, he's going to Nashville. Listeners, I'm in Dayton, Ohio. Nashville is not exactly close to me. That's how it works. I, I my biggest thing I used to joke around with my wife about was so every year there's this state cup tournament for club soccer players, and I, they probably have it in Ohio here in California. It's like a really big deal, and inevitably the state cup site that your team gets to is about as far away from where you live as possible. And I think they do that on purpose. <laughs> I don't know why it happens that way, but yeah, you're literally in the shuttle service business. <laughs> when you get to be doing that, we used to drive around all over the place. It was crazy. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I was thinking, okay, sign him up for soccer. We had to pay for some shin guards, his uniform and his ball. Oh, no. <laughs> wrong i never realized how expensive of a sport soccer is thankfully his dad is taking care of that because i'm taking care of the other one's cello oh my gosh there too i never realized how expensive orchestra could be are you kidding me yeah i'm a third generation violin player so i was on a a music scholarship in college so believe me i get it so it's not cheap (laughs) yeah but actually i'm not surprised i want to go back to what we were talking about though i'm not surprised that other people didn't catch wind of just how i was breaking down i'm actually surprised that they actually kept me on and my team on because we didn't have any systems in place so things were just falling through the cracks left and right like and i will not deny that we lost so many clients because our output was junk i mean we were we were creating good, but it was always late and I can't stand creating late. Like to this day, it's been a struggle. It's still a struggle every single day. Do I say, yes, I can do this. Or do I actually look at my calendar and look at how full and like ridiculously full my calendar is right now and say, no, I can't do that this week. Not even just not today, but this week. But if you give me till next week, maybe I can get it done. Well, it's so funny that you say that too, because I used to look at, I made some pretty big changes over the last 12 to 18 months, which is all part of this whole quest that I had to try to do better with, with work-life balance. And one of the things I found is that my calendar was ridiculous looking too. And I, when I started breaking it down, one of the things I found that I was doing, and I talked to a lot of other people uh, about this as well, and I don't think any of us realized is that we were applying this urgency in places and times where it actually really didn't exist. I kind of started to label it as artificial urgency or manufactured urgency. And to your point, you know, can I do it this week? I used to say, oh yeah. And then, but now I don't. And nothing's really been lost for actually realizing it doesn't have to be done today or this week even. Something can actually go further down the road. But I personally had an issue of not necessarily recognizing that. And so I had this problem with artificial urgency because I wanted to move. I wanted everything to look good and move forward and do all that stuff. But unnecessarily so, at least half the time. One of the biggest things that I had to learn was start asking, when do you need it by? Yeah. Because when people say, I need this done really quickly, quickly for some people means in a week. I know. That's, a, that's exactly right. They don't mean so, they need it by five o'clock tonight. Uh, yeah. I have a really fun, a great story about that. So I have a Please client. Sure, yeah. I have a client and, you know, we were emailing back and forth about something and he had emailed me. And I hadn't been able to get back to him for a few hours, which is really not the end of the world, especially given the content we were talking about in the email. And my response was, hey, so sorry for the delay in getting back to you, Uh, blah, blah, blah. And then I just talked to him about whatever was in there. And he responded to me later saying, I think I have a sense for 
your life and your approach to work by the fact that you apologize for a three hour delay on email. And he was basically making fun of me and it, we, we know each other. So he was basically calling me out for saying, look, there's no need. Like my urgency clock was not set that fast, but I never asked to your point. So I said, Oh my God, three hours. That's horrible. I can't make a guy wait for three hours. And there was nothing urgent about it. I've been called out about that same thing. Yeah. I've and learned. I'm getting better. <laughs> I still say sorry way too many times every day. I've started putting in, but I'm not sorry <laughs> afterwards, but it really doesn't help. I just need to, I need to save this, the sorries for something that really deserves a sorry. Yeah. Like, oh, I just ran into your car. I'm really sorry. Instead of, oh, I made you wait two seconds before I responded to your text message. Right. No, you can get over it. And they weren't really all that stressed about it in the first place. <laughs> That's the no. point that I kind of realized. I mean, I have clients who are also in California and Ohio for listeners who are in the States but aren't aware. Ohio is Eastern time zone. Most of my clients are West Coast. So they get inspired in the middle of the night, just like I do. And they'll send me a text at one o'clock in the morning. Yeah. I have finally gotten smart and turned on the do not disturb for anybody but family. Yeah. So it became a habit of saying, sorry, you know, I was sleeping. No, I'm not sorry I was sleeping. I deserve to sleep. So do you. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I want to talk about your book. My husband actually saw me unwrapping it and his eyebrows raised. He's like, "Hmm." (laughs) he's not a reader. Yeah, he's not a reader, but he's like, huh, I think I should read that. So I would love if you would talk to the listeners about what your book is and how you actually came to write it. I mean, I think they already have a clue, but. Yeah. So for me, I mean, just given the conversation we've been having, you can probably get a sense for the fact that I don't really have a solution for work-life balance, despite the fact that I want to be a person who has it, and many of us do. And so where it came from was I just, I finally got to the point where I got a little bit, where I got a little bit worried, quite honestly, about the the way that I was doing it was just not going to be sustainable. And the collateral damage ultimately was going to be, you know, to me. And just when you think about not sleeping for two years, ultimately that can't end well. So I didn't want that to end in a bad place. So that was kind of the impetus for trying to figure it out. And and I got somewhat demoralized at the beginning of my, you know, search for the Holy Grail of work-life balance, because everything I read talked about this notion of, or a lot of what I read talked about this notion of either A, work-life balance is a total myth and it doesn't exist. And there's a lot of people out there that say that, and they'll say, you know, things to the effect of, you know, it's the stress that you get is by trying to do something that's not achievable. And I didn't like that because I said, there's got to be a way to do this. And then the other thing that I read a lot was, well, you don't, there's no work-life balance. There's this work-life blend and that's the way to do it, which is basically saying, at least at a conceptual level, hey, it's all the, you know, everything just blends together, do it all together. You shouldn't be trying to separate. And my mind just doesn't work well. I'm not a good multitasker. I can barely like email while I'm on a conference call. So the last thing I wanted to do was try to like bring all the family stuff in there. So I just said, how am I going to do this? Like, how am I going to try to solve it? And what was interesting is I do a bunch of work with clients and I do a lot of business transformation work. And I, I asked myself kind of what felt like a very random question one night. I think I was tired. And the question I kind of ended up asking was if I were a consultant to myself and I was trying to consult about my own work-life balance problem, like what would I do? And I actually ended up applying, strangely enough, like a business transformation methodology to my own work-life balance problem, which was, hey, assess your current state figure out your future vision, and then figure out all the behaviors that aren't aligned with that future vision. And that's basically what the book became about. And I kind of started writing it as I went through my own transformation and found that as I was talking to lots of moms and dads, that a lot of them had the same kind of issues. So I thought this might actually be, you know, interesting and valuable for people. I'm laughing over here because 
Just this morning, and I'm sure you've heard this from moms and dad, business owners, sometimes self-care takes the, the backseat. Like, That's exactly right. Right. And totally. I don't mean sleep or eating here, yeah. people. I mean, like, actually taking the time to take a shower and look presentable. I mean, if we're just looking yeah. at our computer screen some days, sometimes we can be like, you know, that can go. Yeah. Um, today, I shouldn't mention this, but I'm going to. My wife and I joke that she and I literally wear, like, the same outfits every day, except for when I have to go see a client. <laughs> right. It's almost pathetic. Yeah. I mean, we're like, okay, this is pretty bad. <laughs> but then I go out and try to get presentable. But otherwise, when I'm at home, it's the same stuff. Yeah. I mean, I'm in sweatpants and a t-shirt, Yeah, but I took a shower this morning, did my hair and my makeup and my husband, I went to wake him up so he could take the kids to daycare. And he says, where are you going? Like nowhere. Yeah. But, and he, he just is confused. Like, but you have, you're showered. Like you don't <laughs> smell. What are you doing? The entrepreneurial struggles are Why real. Smell? And sometimes we just smell, you know, that is something I've never admitted on the podcast before. Yes, I wear deodorant, but you know, it's, and then my kids, my, my little girls, especially mama, you're wearing makeup. Are you getting on an airplane again? <laughs> like, okay, I guess I need to make this part of my, you know, actually the reason I did it this morning, listeners are recording on a Monday. This is an ever going process that I'm going through because I, James, I just, I'm getting fitness and nutrition back in my life. Yeah. Finally. Fitness has never been in my life. Full disclosure. Nutrition needs to come back. Yeah. I well, still look like I'm pregnant be, with twins. So. Well, it used to be in mine. I mean, I was hugely into it, but one of the things I found is I, it started like falling by the wayside just because, you know, how am I going to do all these things? And ultimately what I learned in my thing is re related to exactly what you're saying, Rao, like this whole notion of spending a little bit of time doing something just for you to help restore you like that completely fell off. And I found that it was super necessary. So it's one of the things that I identified that I clearly wasn't doing. And I found a lot of other moms and dads, especially those that were working big jobs or being entrepreneurs that fell off for them too. Cause there's just simply, they couldn't allocate or figure out. And I couldn't either how do I spend the time that I need to either like go to the gym or for me, it ended up being like 20 minutes of piano a day just to like get my brain refocused. But I never like allocated any time for what I call the restorative activity. And I found that to be hugely valuable from a work-life balance perspective. That's super needed. And I think it's too easy for that to fall apart. Absolutely. Well, as far as the piano goes, you probably didn't have the same struggle I did when I was trying to figure out fitness. I was trying to figure out how I could, if I could get up at five, five thirty and go to the gym before my kids woke up. I mean, it's not like you can, well, I guess if you have a keyboard, you can put on headphones, but if it's, you know, you don't want to wake up the rest of the house to no, have right. piano time. Yeah. And I was like, but how am I going to make this happen? And then it occurred to me, wait a second, I own my own business. Why do I need to get up at five thirty in the morning to go to the gym? I yeah. can book it into my day anytime I want to. Yeah. And just hold to it. Right. That's the key is holding to it and prioritizing it. You know, my dad would, was a crazy dude. I mean, he, he was awesome. He's a huge role model for me when he was alive, but he, he used to do that. He used to be at the gym at 445 in the morning. And when I was younger, I was like, dad, you are wacky and crazy. Who does that? I mean, every once in a while, he'd drag me there with him. And I'd be like, oh, you got your eight cronies that you're there with. And they all knew each other. But what I realized later was what my dad was doing in his way. He didn't run his own business. So he didn't have some of the flexibility you were just talking about. But what he was doing was he was prioritizing an hour of something that was important to him because he knew the rest of the day to be run doing his work and being for family. He wasn't going to get that. So I gave him credit. It was crazy being up like that early, but that's what he was doing. And 
I realized there was some actual wisdom behind prioritizing that in your calendar somewhere. Yeah, absolutely. But I do have to ask, what time did your dad go to bed? So my dad was one of those nuts that just didn't work the rest the way the rest of us do. He went to bed at midnight every night. Oh my gosh. Isn't that insane? Okay. Yeah. He just, he was not, he was a freak of nature. And uh, the joke in my house is that, that I'm like the opposite. If I had it my way, I'd go to bed before the kids. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, mean, I like to get to bed early. I'm, I need a lot of sleep. Yeah. I remember when I was a child, my mom at like seven thirty, eight o'clock would say it's bedtime. And even when I, I remember this at 16, 17, I'm thinking, what? You know, I still haven't had my phone call with all my friends tonight, you know? I know, exactly. <laughs> no, I, like, I'm not going to be tired till 10. She's like, no, it's bedtime. And I would ask her why. And she's like, because I'm tired. That's exactly it. <laughs> That's the big thing you learn <laughs> later in life is you're like, it's not because they want you to go to bed for your own benefits, because they want to go to bed. I want to go to bed. Oh, yeah. Come eight o'clock in my house. We're like, okay, where are the water bottles, the toothbrushes and the blankets because it's bedtime and we know that they're going to be in there fighting with each other. We call it the the dormitory or the orphanage. All three of them are in there (laughs) together. I know that is so not proper. It's just what we call among adults, not so that they can hear it. But yeah, 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 they're in there pulling each other's hair, smacking each other, biting, kicking, anything until okay, like 10, 10, 30. And in the meantime, we're just like, oh, would you please just go to sleep or asking? We had to turn around the door locks, James, because they were getting out and doing stuff. Of course. Um, yep. Or they were locking or in the child safety locks. They were hanging on them like monkeys and pulling them right off. So, and locking, stuff kids do. <laughs> yep, and locking themselves in the room. So we turned around the door lock. Oh, that's interesting. So we lock them in there. I know it doesn't make us comfortable. Like when we know that they're asleep, we'll unlock it. Of course. But until they're asleep, there's like six rounds of, I have to go pee. It's like, no, you don't. You just went two seconds ago. Yeah. Well, yeah. there's one thing I've learned about parenting. You know, we, we picked up the two older kids like, I wouldn't call it midstream, but several chapters into the parenting book. And then obviously now we have our own little guys. But there's one thing I've learned from kind of almost doing the full spectrum by this point is, you know, before you're a parent, you make a lot of judgmental calls on what parents do because you just don't know. (laughs) And then once you're a parent, you're like, yeah, I'm not judging any other parent, man. There's a lot of hard stuff that we got to do and figure out. Oh, yeah. Before you're a parent, you don't understand why parents look so tired all the time. I know. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, But going back to your book. Okay. So I do want to ask. I've heard that the balance just doesn't exist. And I've also heard of the blending. But what I've decided myself is that we have to be okay with it not being balanced. Some days there's going to be more family and some days there's going to be more work. What what is your opinion now? Totally agree with that. And actually, so my whole point when I did this, I was like, like, so I can't live in a world where there's no work-life balance. That's not, that doesn't seem right. And I can't do blends. So I better figure out how to get balance. And what I actually learned was one of the most important things that I had to do was like really define in some degree of detail what I wanted work-life balance to look like for me. And that gets to what you're saying, because what I used to do is what a lot of us, I think, do is I would like live by a work-life balance soundbite. I would just say, yeah, I want to I make my business really good and I want be, to be a good dad and husband. But when you break that down operationally at a day-to-day level, even like an hour-to-hour level, that doesn't tell you anything. And so what I started doing was breaking it down and it goes exactly to your point, which says, hey, you know what? What I want is to be able to do these things for my business and these things for my family. Now, how do I allocate the time? And on some days, it's all about, or in some parts of the days, I've compartmentalized. So one of the things I talk about in the book is like, you got to define boundaries. And that was a big problem for me, this, this undefined boundaries that many of us live with. And so you make the boundaries and therefore you end up doing exactly what you just said. There are some days where it's very heavy on the family side and some days where you're like, 
head deep and just nose down into your work. And as long as you've figured out the broader plan of when you're going to do the family stuff and when you're going to do the work stuff, then it starts to work out quite nicely because I find that I'm better at both. And when I'm trying to blend and when there's no defined boundaries, I'm like worse at work and I'm worse with my family. So that's kind of one of the things I found, this whole notion of really compartmentalization and defining the boundaries. And then you do have days where it's 70% one or 65% the other. And on some days it's 80 or 90% one. Is, and that's okay, actually. Absolutely, it's okay. This past week, I was actually out of the office for a whole day. One of my five-year-old had a tooth extracted. And I explained to the clients that I would be gone. And they, you know, they were curious and concerned. And I explained, but it was, this is something that I wouldn't have even given my, myself permission to do and, three and years so ago. Yeah, such a good point because I wouldn't have either. And I think a lot of us, at least a lot of people I talked to, and I did for a while, kind of live in this place. Are we going to kill our careers by doing this? Mm-hmm. And the good news that I've learned is that you don't actually, um, as long as you do it in a reasonable way, right? You're not going to kill your career by saying, look, I need three days to do this stuff with my family. I've done it on numerous occasions and have not lost a client as a result of doing it. As long as I did the due diligence to make sure I managed it the right way and the work still got done in a way that mattered to them. And it, it's totally possible to do, right? And that's, I think, one of the biggest fears that we walk around that I think is actually a myth that you're going to kill your career by compartmentalizing and you won't. Oh, absolutely. I used to be afraid of letting any prospective clients know that I had kids. Yeah. And, and now yeah. that I've got five, I'm like, no, I have to let my clients know. And also, you know, I will tell my clients my official work hours are 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. Yeah. Whether or not those are my real work hours, listeners, Yeah. I will leave that, you know, <laughs> up in the air. But I also love what I do. So if I work outside those hours, I want it to be on my own terms. And That's not exactly on my, right. On my clients. Yeah. yeah, and I love running my business. It's the coolest thing I've done since I've been in the workforce, right? So it's the same thing. Sometimes we talk about the work-life balances. It's all about trying to make sure we have enough time on the life side. And of course, we want to do that. But we've also mostly chosen our jobs and our careers because we like them. And so you want to enjoy that too, right? And that's where the compartmentalization has worked so well for me. I've almost compartmentalized my family stuff first. And it seems almost backwards to do that. But what that's done for me is when it's work time, I do it without regret because I've prioritized the family stuff first. So there's no elephant sitting on my shoulder saying, hey, you're missing this stuff or you're not doing this stuff for your family. I've already done that first. So now I'm like, all in on work and I have a good time and I'm efficient and I'm effective with it. So it's actually been an interesting, almost like counterintuitive realization. So I want to ask about that. I'm going to test you on this. Yeah. You said you put your family or family first, but where does James come in? Yeah. So what I used to do is I used to put, I would put the work because I'm the sole financial provider. So I was the sole breadwinner. So work always got prioritized first with then space for family and nothing was left for me. So that's how that worked. What I've then started to do is I've actually flipped it, which actually helps. But what I've also had to do is change some habits, right? And this ultimately gets to the James time. Like there still wasn't time for James, even when I did family first and then work, because I hadn't changed some habits that were still creating a lot of like stuff in my calendar. And that's a lot of the stuff that I talk about in the book. So I had what I called the superhero syndrome, which was I'm going to do everything for everybody, which left me no time for myself. So I've had to learn how to like do what we do in business, which is this ruthless prioritization and only focus on mission critical things. And what I found was when I did that, a lot of the stuff that I was doing both at work and at home wasn't mission critical. And so when I stopped doing those things, that created more space. When I started like not making everything urgent, a lot of things came off the list 
right? So all these things kind of started creating more time in my calendar. And then I was able to introduce time specifically for me. What I talk about in the book is I actually did this backwards and it, it, it didn't work. I started trying to put in time for me right at the beginning when I was living the life that I was with some of the things I was just describing and it failed miserably. It was almost like I just, it was an additive thing. It was like, okay, I'm doing all this stuff for work. I'm doing all this stuff for my family. And yep, I'm going to do piano at 11 PM really quietly because I don't want to wake anybody up. And it was a disaster, <laughs> right? It just it didn't work. Right? Yeah. And so I had to do these, I had to fix these other things first. And that, those were almost like root causes. And then once those were done, then I was able to be like, oh, now I can throw my restorative activity and there's actually time to do it. Uh huh. So as I said, I changed my nutrition and my fitness and the trainer I hired recommended that I do bulletproof coffees, which requires a blender. Oh, okay. <laughs> Are you familiar with bulletproof coffee? Yeah, I was just about to say what is that, and then I realized my wife does that, yeah. Yeah, listeners, if you are not aware, you you could put butter or some type of other fat into your coffee. One weekend, I gave up because I cannot make it taste good, and I'd rather just drink black coffee, okay? But I, in the first yeah. week, like by day four, I had so much more energy. Today's day seven, by the way. By day four, I had so much more energy that I was up two hours earlier than normal, like fully alive. Nice. But I stood there in the kitchen looking at my blender, wondering how am I going to make my bulletproof coffee at 5.30 in the morning? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah, no, I mean, we can take care of ourselves, but sometimes we just need to modify what we need to make sure that we have that time. That's exactly right. Yeah. So you are a consultant. Do you have a team that supports you in supporting your clients? Yeah. So what I did when I set up my business was I didn't want to carry payroll because I didn't want the burden of payroll. So what I did is I set up a network and, and what I do is I use subcontractors. And what that does is it allows me to scale. So I have a network of subcontractors that have the skill sets and I've made some, you know, good moves and bad moves as it pertains to those. And I think we all do is just mm -hmm. about, you know, do we get the right people helping us out. And so when I have projects that require certain skill sets, I know who my people are and we bring them on to help me and they work for that project. And then they roll off and everybody kind of who's in the network understands that's how I'm set up. And it's great because they, some of them run their own things too. So it becomes this really interesting network of networks <laughs> where everybody's helping. Sometimes I've subcontracted to somebody else, right? It's a really interesting thing around how it works and it's worked out pretty well. Yeah. Well, the reason I asked is because now with my team, like they see me having crazy days and I'm like, I can't even tell you the answer that you're looking for because my brain is just going 10,000 miles a minute in the other direction. Yeah. yeah. And so they actually created for me, they call it the chronic idea disorder project in Teamwork, which is the project management tool that we use. Huh. And on those days, I just go in and I unload everything that I'm thinking about, all the tasks that need to be done, all the projects that I personally want to work on. And then they start going through and picking through and start doing them. <laughs> There's oh, wow. Yeah, cool that. <laughs> oh, it's fabulous. And then my cell phone hasn't been working properly. And this is something I would have normally spent a half an hour to an hour researching myself. But yeah. it, it occurred to me, think, uh, I mean, my team is awesome. They constantly remind me, you have clients who want to work with you. Why don't you give us this stuff? Like even my online grocery shopping, my husband and I can't stand going to the actual store. <laughs> I can't when my husband goes because he comes home with three times the amount of stuff and spends six times as much money as he was supposed to. So she's even like, give me your grocery list. I'm just going to order it. Tell me when you want us to, when you want to pick it up. I'm like, okay, awesome. Yeah, there you go. 
but there was a day that I had too much to do and I wasn't getting it on a podcast with a guest to record because I just thought I had too much. And my online business manager said, what? And I told her what it was. And she said, why didn't you give this to me a week ago? I could have had it done within an hour, but you're trying to do 18 things at once and therefore it's not done yet. Yeah. Well, thank you for that hard dose of reality and you are completely right. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's prioritization and delegation sometimes, right? And sometimes people feel delegation is this hierarchical thing, but it's not necessarily if you have people you're working with that are even at peer levels or even or on your team in a hierarchical way, you like leveraging that I have found has been super important from a work-life balance perspective too, right? If you try to do it all yourself and that goes back to this whole superhero syndrome that I talk about that a lot of us have, you know, we have to like force ourselves to recognize we have resources and help that want to help and therefore we can actually use that. Right. Absolutely. I'm just being nosy here. Do you have standard operating procedures set up in your business so that when a contractor may not come back and you have to bring a new one in that there's already documents set up that will maybe walk them through how you do things in your business. Yeah. And I actually learned that the hard way. Oh, me <laughs> too. I had a few, yeah. So, you know, in the early years I didn't cause you know, I'm small and I'm purposely small, but you know, you got to implement some degree of formality to help you be more efficient and effective at what you do, which helps them do the same thing, which then helps me on my work life balance quest. So yeah, I do. That's incredible. On Friday night, so again, I said, listeners, that we were recording on Monday, on Friday night, a prior client who is still a wonderful friend asked me, how do I add a new user to my WordPress site? And at first, I was just going to record a video just for her. And then it immediately went through my head. This is a question that I've been asked eight to 10 times before by other clients. Yeah, there you go. Just create the SOP, Kim. And then you can share it with clients whenever they ask and it's not going to require any more work. Okay. So going back to your book, look at, I told you I get excited about things and who knows where it goes. Oh yeah. Like I told you, this is like family dinner at my house. So I, yeah, absolutely. And my house. (laughs) Oh, what does your balance slash lack of balance look like now? Like, is there a typical for how many hours you work in a week? Yeah, so here, so it looks, so my life looks significantly different than it did probably a year, year and a half ago when I started. Here's kind of like the punchline to my, or the ironic punchline to my, what I said earlier about how the fact that I don't think I could function in work life blend. One of the things that I did in the book was I forced myself to document a day in the life. And I do this with clients actually sometimes when we're in the middle of like a current state assessment. And it's super helpful because oftentimes you highlight things you had no idea was actually going on and the client doesn't even know. And it gives you some really good baseline stuff to talk about. So I actually in the book talk about, I do a day in the life for myself and I recommend people do it. But what I learned from my day in the life was that I was living work-life blend unintentionally. Um, I had no idea I was even doing it. I was like bouncing around like a ping pong ball all day long, work-life, work-life, back and forth all day long. And it was like fracturing my brain, which was partly why I felt like I was so inefficient. So the reason I kind of say that is, that was one of the first things I had to correct. I didn't want to lead an unintentional work-life blend life. And so I had to figure out where the compartments were and all the things that we've talked about so far. So like a year later, what I found is I've gotten really good at compartmentalization. That's probably one of the things I'm best at. I've gotten quite good at applying what I call urgency filters to make sure I'm testing my natural desire to be more urgent than I need to be. And I've gotten like really good at focusing only on mission critical things. I used to have lists every day that felt ridiculous to me now, but at the time were like par for the course, like 20 to 25 things I was going to get done. And that is ridiculous <laughs> to me. And so now I do like six or seven things a day max. And when it starts creeping up on me again, I kind of start to re- I think very differently than when I used to do it before. 
So what all that means is good at doing those things. Now, they're old habits, and I've had them for years, so I fall off the wagon all the time. But what's been helpful about what I did was I have a framework to go back to that keeps me back on it, right? And I'm still tired. We have four kids, right? I'm still tired. We run a business. So it's not like that's gone away, right? But what's gone away is the tiredness from being stressed out about, like, trying to figure out how to balance it all. That's gone away. I'm going to be tired because we're raising kids and I'm running a business, but it's a different kind of tired. And it's the kind of tired that I'm okay with, if that makes any sense. It does. And James, I just have to tell you that every time I get onto an episode, I feel like there's a nugget that was meant just for me. Yeah. I should take a picture of this so, so it can go in the show notes. But <laughs> I, this morning, I put together my hot list for the day. And no joke, it is probably like 30 items. Yeah, it used to be me too. <laughs> yeah. And... We are already three quarters done with the day, at least Eastern time. And I've tackled a whole seven out of 30. I mean, a seven is good. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. That's but they great. Were small, but they were small <laughs> things. Like yeah. one thing that I did this morning, though, maybe this isn't a small thing. I actually created a, a, a Sutton Family Big Rocks document in Google Docs for my husband and I to share that we can keep the grocery list in and all the upcoming bills because he's taking over most of that. Yeah. And instead That's of having cool. to tell him like eighteen times, thing. no, it's not, and it will it will save hopefully if he uses it, lots of pain in the future. But even reminding him like what day we have to pay for daycare, and what day the, the lawn guy is coming because I got rid of that for him. Yeah, um, I hired a lawn person. That's something that he doesn't need to be doing. Yeah. Um, but hopefully that will help. But yeah, maybe that isn't actually not a maybe. That isn't a small thing, but. Yeah. yeah. Tomorrow I'm going back to my, my top five. Well, you know, it's funny about the 30 thing list. I don't know if this happens to you, but it used to, used to happen to me all the time. So if I had 20 or 25 items, of course I couldn't get them all done. There were many days where I would, at, at, like I said, at the expense of sleep, but there were days where I just couldn't, like no matter how long my day was, it just wasn't feasible to try to do some of the things that I was trying to do. Despite the fact that I thought I walked around with a big S on my chest and stuff. So eight to 10 of those things would literally fall off and guess where they went? They went to tomorrow's list, which by the way, was already long. (laughs) So now I'm like, oh no, this is like a negative cascading self-fulfilling prophecy. I'm in big trouble. I can't get out of it. Yep. And it feels so much better when you see five out of five checked off. Oh yeah. When you see five out of 30 checked off. Well, and here's the, that's funny that you say that. It totally does. At first though, my ego went the other way. So at first I would walk around and say, look, I got 18 things done today. And when I started changing it and saying, I'm only going to do six tomorrow, I'm like, well, quantitatively, I'm like 66% or whatever that translates, like less, less dad cool. I got what stuff done. Is that what I want? And I had to realize, I had to force myself to realize I'm getting the most important stuff done and all the other things I was doing. They're not like they were unimportant, but on a relative scale, they can wait. (laughs) And that's what I've had to learn how to do. And that was really helpful. Absolutely. What can wait? Listeners, look at your list today and ask yourself, what can wait? Because I guarantee you a half of it is probably can wait. Yeah. It's the non-urgent, non-important box of the quad. Yeah. 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 James, what is the name of your book and where can listeners find it? So my book is called Out of the Blur, A Delirious Dad's Search for the Holy Grail of Work-Life Balance. And people can find it. It's uh, on Amazon predominantly. Um, you can also check out my website. There's a whole bunch of stuff there too. And there's actually a work-life balance quiz you can take to help you see where you might have some behavioral things that you might want to work on. It, I, I created it for myself, ironically, but lots of people ended up liking it too. So that's my website, which is just uh, jamessudical.com. 
Fabulous. Listeners, if you're driving, trying not to burn dinner or exercising, you can find that at thekimsutton.com forward slash PP492. James, this has been such a fabulous conversation. I wish I could give you another hour, but I think if it's okay with you, I'd like to invite you back for part two. Oh, yeah. That'd be awesome. Yeah, yeah because there's so much more that we can be digging into here. Yeah, Again, for sure. This has been so fabulous. Again, listeners, I want you to go over to the show notes, thekimsutton.com forward slash PP492 and leave a comment down below with the biggest nugget that you got out of today's conversation. James, do you have a parting piece of advice or a golden nugget that you can leave for part one of this fabulous chat? Well, you know what? I would say um, work-life balance is attainable. And I think that was one of the things that, that made me super happy about my whole journey here is it's actually doable the most important thing that I found is you know, the willingness to prioritize. And maybe more important than that is the willingness to accept the implications of that prioritization. And I use that like my desire or my change from growing my business to sustaining it. That would have been total blasphemy like six years ago. But now that I'm thinking about work-life balance in a different way, I had to prioritize what I needed and I had to accept the implications. And once we get there, then you can all make all sorts of really cool progress on work-life balance. At least I did. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Positive Productivity Podcast. When I'm not podcasting, I'm supporting six to seven figure business coaches with their marketing automation and entrepreneurs like you through my coaching and mastermind programs. I want to invite you to visit thekimsutton.com to learn how I can help you take your business to the next level.